wealth creation is a team sport, not a solo sport. Now, if that sounds intriguing to you, you're going to love my next guest, Renny Gabriel, who teaches people how to create wealth on any income. At the age of 50, he turned his life around and he's now financially free. Now, today, what he also does is he spends his time matching rescue dogs with soldiers suffering from PTSD. Welcome to today's show. Welcome to Off My Duff, the entrepreneur podcast. Off My Duff is all about getting off your backside and finally, making your impact by living your truth. If you are an entrepreneur with a heart to help others, you're in the right place. We chat with guests from seven figures to just starting out because that's how we roll. Off My Duff is the nudge you need to expand your business and slay resistance. So, without further ado, I invite you to get off your duff, and let's get started. Now, here's your host, Duff Gardner. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to Off My Duff, the entrepreneur podcast. I'm your host, Duff Gardner. Welcome again, and welcome to all my loyal listeners. It's great to have you back. I'm excited about today's episode. Um, a really interesting person that I met on the entrepreneurship road a couple of years back at an event called uh, JVX, which is an opportunity for uh, service-based entrepreneurs, like a lot of you and myself, to make connections and to try to figure out ways to collaborate. Uh, and collaboration, of course, is the name of the day. And I always had it in the back of my head, this would be an interesting guest for our show. So I'm thrilled that recently I, I bumped into him again, and I'm thrilled to have him here on the show. I wanted you all to welcome our guest, Rennie Gabriel, and uh, I'm going to let you let Rennie tell you a little bit about what he's all about. So Rennie, welcome to the show. Welcome to Off My Duff. Oh, thank you, Duff. Um, I appreciate it. And um, probably one of the most important things, I guess, before I even talk about content is why I do what I do. Yeah. And um, the biggest thrill in my life is making large donations to a charity called Shelter to Soldier. Mm -hmm. We can talk more about that later, but uh, at this point in my life, because I don't have to work for a living, I donate 100% of the profits from my books, from my uh, courses, from my coaching, from any of the stuff I do online to the charity Shelter to Soldier. You know, I'd, I'd love to de delve more into that. And in the introduction, I didn't really introduce you as a specific business or anything, because I think uh, you've got such a depth to what you do that I wanted you to say it in your own words. So tell me more about that, because I think it's a super interesting project that you have. Um, yeah, Shelter to Soldier was uh, founded by uh, Graham Bloom and his wife. Uh, and he recognized that the connection that a soldier would have with a dog could be transformative. Uh, and he was a dog trainer. You know, he, he had a very successful dog training business. And what Shelter the Soldier does is rescues dogs from environments where they could have been euthanized and trains them, if they've got the right personality and size, to be a service dog for a soldier who's come back with post-traumatic stress disorder or traumatic brain injuries. And the people who allow us in this country, in the United States, to do what we do and have the freedoms we have 
are in other parts of the world putting their lives on the line. And when they come home, they're not treated like the heroes that they are. And many of them are committing suicide. I mean, to the, to the point of almost one per hour is committing suicide. <clears throat> so shelter to soldier is training a dog to be a service animal for a soldier who's returned with these issues. And not one soldier who's gotten their service dog has committed suicide. Wow. So this program saving two lives at a time. Now you and I have a common love of dogs and this is how we went deep into this topic. And yeah. I'm big on rescue dogs. Um, rescue dogs heal. Yes. You know, and they're, they're spirits in this world that have amazing uh, healing powers for their humans, you know? And oh, so I, I, I love it that this is part of what you do. Yeah. It's um, <clears throat> the, the first time I sponsored a dog and it's about $15,000. Uh, it was like more excitement that I had than anything I had done for any of my clients. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and um, I mean, that, that, that may sound, I don't know, silly, but uh, I just love supporting this organization. We've donated my wife and I tens of thousands of dollars to them. They're number, we're in the number five donor ahead of organizations like Petco Foundation or the LA Rams. So um, and my goal really is to be their number one donor. Wonderful. Well, you know, I look, I look behind you there and, and your business is um, an interesting one as well. And, you know, what I love about you is that if you meet you in person, uh, you're very, I, I want to call you Canadian, like very unassuming. You're very like, um, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, you've been a very successful person and you're very mission driven. We just talked about something that's extremely important to you. Um, and your website that we're going to talk about more later on is wealthonanyincome.com. But uh, I actually wanted to talk to you a little bit about your backstory and like how you got started. Like what, what uh, got you started down this path of entrepreneurship? Uh, it, <laughs> insecurity. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I had um, uh, started off my, my career as a school teacher. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, barely making enough, well, wasn't making enough money to pay all my bills. Yeah. Uh, so I decided, you know, I would go into sales and um, I went into the life insurance business. And I thought, um, since I wasn't able to pay my bills on the $6,500 per year I was making as a school teacher, that, you know, if I went into sales, I made more money that would take care of it. And my first year in sales, I made 12000 I was still spending more than I was earning. So I figured all I had to do was earn more money. Well, this cycle continued until I was at about 150,000 a year and now $2,000 a month short. So it, it finally dawned on me that making more money was not the answer to covering my expenses. And I learned through a program, which I, I don't share this, it was called Debtors Anonymous. It was literally a 12-step program for people who don't know how to handle money. Now, okay. take into consideration I'm in this program as a certified financial planner. 
That's and in my coursework, there was nothing taught about how to handle income and expenses or do a personal balance sheet or any of that stuff. I found out it's not taught to CPAs. Parents can't teach what they don't know. Our school teachers can't teach what they've never learned. And the bottom line is 90% of the population learns nothing about how to handle money. And if they turn to CPAs or certified financial planners, they've not been taught either how to transfer this information to clients. Yeah. So um, I started on the journey of entrepreneurship, like I said, out of insecurity. Uh, I had a job where I was the director of pensions for an insurance company. And three months after I was hired, they merged with another company and I was laid off. Right. But I had been in sales before that and I figured, okay, this is a sign I should not be an employee because 100% of my income was dependent all in this one place. And they decided they changed their direction and I lose 100% of my income. Okay. Well, if I'm an entrepreneur and I have a bunch of clients, if one of them really doesn't like me, it doesn't matter. So that my income is not dependent all on one source. So I've created multiple streams of income, not only in the work that I did, but in the sources of income, whether it was books, whether it was programs, whether it was consulting, whether it was sales, whether it was products. So in terms of security, I built it from becoming an entrepreneur because I realized I'm too insecure to be an employee again. Right. So what does your business look like today? Like what kind of things are you doing today? Um, well, since I don't have to work for a living any longer, it's nice. evolved to where the online business uh, trains other people how to handle money effectively through my book or courses or group coaching or whatever. And the point is we want to raise philanthropists. The nice. people that we work with, I call heart-centered entrepreneurs, a lot of coaches, corporate trainers, um, ministers, people who care about making a difference for others. Right. Uh, we, you know, they already have a heart. They already want to create an impact in the world. So it's easy once we've trained them on how to handle their money more powerfully to be able to either donate more of their money or more of their time to the right. causes that touch their heart. Right. You know, when we were logging in, I noticed that your business is called The Financial Coach. And I think it's, it's um, I, have you, I think you have some really deep insights for people. I mean, basically, the story that you're telling is the story of a lot of people today in today's world. You know, whatever the case may be, whatever the, the reasons for it, uh, people are being layered out or something happens and they have to step out and they're, they're uh, you know, they're, they're stepping into their own entrepreneurship journey. And I know that, uh, like for me, one thing that I've really noticed with my clients and the work that I do is there's two kinds of people who step into that journey. There's people who, uh, I call it a move towards kind of orientation versus a move away from orientation. People who really step into it are like, oh, this, I really want to try this. I really want to do this. This is a sandbox that I'm going to have some fun in versus, oh my God, like, I don't want that. I don't like what I used to be and I don't like what I used to do. This is going to be better, kind of grass is greener thinking. And it seems to me that whatever, however you did it, there had to be some of that move towards 
possibility thinking in your head as you as you stepped into that role. Does that resonate with you? Uh, the two categories resonate with me, but the category that fit when I was age 50 yeah. was, oh my gosh, this isn't working. <laughs> if I don't get my act together at age 50 after being broke a couple times and having a business failure, I mean, broke three times, two divorces and a business failure. I could find myself in another 15 years at age 65 living on cat food. Right. And so I was really coming out of really a sense of fear and desperation as to what do I need to do? And what I realized from a class I had taken at UCLA years earlier, an extension class, yeah. that I would know how to manage real estate. Hmm. And I treated myself, I was doing business coaching. My clients were primarily financial planners or accounting firms. Okay. And I was only earning 5,000 a month. I was not earning a lot of money. Sure. But I set aside 10% of that and treated myself like I deserve to own some of this money I'm earning. It's a 5,000 year old concept. And after three years, I had accumulated $18,000. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I've worked, I work with people who earn more than that in a month. Okay. Right. But the point is back then, I mean, that was the most money I'd ever saved. And there was a real estate partner who my wife knew who said, well, I'd like to buy this triplex. We need a $72,000 down payment. And I only had $18,000. Well, my wife contributed 18,000. The realtor contributed the balance, some 36000 and we made the down payment on this triplex. So one of the things I say is wealth creation is a team sport, nice. not a solo sport. So I didn't do this by myself. There was the three of us. But I managed it, and he came up with ideas on, you know, doing some remodeling or relandscaping. In just a few years, we were able to sell that property for a half a million dollar profit. Nice. And during that time, I'm seeing, oh my gosh, this works. So I went and borrowed money because the wealthy use debt to create wealth. They don't use it on consumer goods. Mm -hmm. And by the time we were in our like sixth or seventh year of being together, we had 50 units from the original three. Wow. So that's the reason I don't have to work anymore is because I've got you know, we had 50 families going out to work and sharing a quarter of their income with us each month. And I didn't have to manage them. And it was right. like 50 employees, except it was like 50 freelancers, right? Or 50 tenants. That's an interesting way to think of it. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. So um, that's, you know, where I was coming from. I was the oh my gosh, I can't do this anymore. I haven't learned how to handle money effectively. Well, I had learned by age 50 what to do because of a lot of reading. Right. I was certified as a financial planner. It's just I didn't know what to apply to myself. And I had not been grounded in how to handle money effectively on a day-to-day -day basis until around age 50. Yeah, I totally get it. I, I have kids in mid-20s, and it's a topic that we get into every once in a while. It's just such an important thing. And um, you know what I love about your story? I, one of the questions I typically ask guests is, you know, what's a, a big insight that you've gleaned 
through your journey. Uh, I'm going to ask you that question, but just in listening to you, um, definitely um, this idea that wealth creation is a team sport. You know, the thing about entrepreneurship is you can feel very uh, alone sometimes on your own, feeling like, you know, the little engine that could, however you're oriented, whether you're, like I said before, move away from or move towards, it doesn't, you, you can feel quite alone. Um, I think that's a really smart thing to think about, you know, uh, whatever you're building is to look for collaborators. I like how you said uh, wealth creation is a team sport. I think that's a really important thing. Thank you. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, when I look back over my life, uh -huh. I see what the successes and the failures were as an entrepreneur. <clears throat> it comes right down to what you were talking about. Now, I've got to clear my throat. Now. Hold on a sec. And in terms of when I do this review, I see, okay, I had an art gallery business. That's where I went broke. I had a pension administration company. That's where we sold off to a public company, made a lot of money. Right. Um, oh, I had a book publishing company. I primarily did that with um, independent contractors. I was a solo person and I wasn't very successful. I mean, we got 50 books in the bookstores, but profitability, no. I was making about $1.50 an hour in the publishing company, Yikes. but $700 an hour for my real estate investments. Wow. So when I looked at it, it was like where there was a team involved, did real well. When it was just me, didn't do so great. And so that's why how I came up with the, you know, wealth creation is a team sport. It's not a solo sport. And if you look at business startups, mm -hmm. Uh, their foundations, whether you're looking at Apple Computer, uh, you're looking at uh, General Electric, you're looking at Berkshire Hathaway, you're looking at Elon Musk and, um, you know, Tesla. If you look at each one of those, and I'll use Berkshire Hathaway. Sure. Warren Buffett's one of the wealthiest men in the world. Now, how many people have heard of Charlie Munger? Very few. But Charlie Munger is half of Berkshire Hathaway. He happens to be the execution master while Warren is the visionary. Oh. And, in, and in Apple Computer, Steve Jobs was the visionary and Steve Wozniak was the execution master. And if you look at the successful world-class businesses, they weren't run or started by only one person. There were at least two. Yeah. Yeah, very true. I, you know, part of what I talk about is something I call startup thinking. And, you know, my, my experience coming from the startup world, uh, that's what you do. You, you might be the founder, but you need collaborators. You need a founding team in order to make that work, just like you're talking about. Exactly. And I, it, yeah. And the other thing I like about your story is uh, you might end up, maybe we'll get a few insights from you here instead of just one. <laughs> but uh, I, I could chat with you for a long time, whether it would be about business, finance, or dogs, you know, but uh uh, I love it that you actually talked about the situation where you were in that environment where you're a financial planner, but you're going through, you know, a process of kind of learning how to navigate that as well uh, in, in, a, in a debt program, right, which, which would have been difficult. So tell me how you just emotionally kind of got yourself through that, because I think that's an important lesson for people in today's times, you know, that you can, you can find yourself unexpectedly in these situations and at that moment, you have a choice and there's other, you know what I mean? So it's, I think it's a really great story. Well, uh, as you can imagine, 
I wasn't going to share with anyone in a 12-step program called Debtors Anonymous that I'm a certified financial planner. Sure. I mean, you know, I, I kept that to myself. Sure. But one of the things that is, but that is one of the ground um, places, I don't know how to, I want to say foundational learning experiences sure. where I saw how to handle money effectively on a day-to-day -day basis. Right. It was in a program called Debtors Anonymous. The second part of that gets back to what I said earlier about wealth creation's a team sport. The structure in any 12-step program is you have a sponsor, you're not in it alone, and that sponsor just might be a step or two ahead of you on the journey. And that's how it was in Debtors Anonymous, and they had something else as well, and I, they called it a pressure group. Okay. And the way a pressure group works is that an individual who's struggling with decisions they have to make on their money, they're struggling with the credit card, they don't make enough money, uh, whatever, they don't know how to pay their bills, it doesn't make any difference. Uh, I think it's, it's either two or three other people get together as a group with the fourth person who's struggling, mm -hmm. and that pressure group, those three are there to provide support, encouragement, ideas, suggestions for that one individual. And it's like you said, a startup. You got a founder and you got the people who are supporting him. So that that structure works, whether it's a 12-step program, whether it's a, a startup business, whether it's a world-class business, it doesn't make any difference. It's a team approach. And also, if you're just dealing with the finances associated with your business, you know, I think uh, obviously a lot of people are getting into business because that is that is their livelihood or they would like it to be. So it is a team sport. And um, just in terms of what you just said, uh, it's really important to be supported because you're 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 a creative person. You're putting stuff out there that you need to have a bit of a clearing to be creative and create. Um, but you're also, you've got a mentor in front of you who's pulling you forward a little bit with, as you said, they might be a couple of steps ahead of you. And having those two pieces of support and the mentorship when you're feeling a little bit alone, whether it's a financial business, any kind of a life issue as an entrepreneur, that's really important. It, well, it's crucial yeah. because like you said, you know, entrepreneurs are too often alone. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just not a recipe for success. You know, we've talked about dogs earlier, and I, maybe your third insight, you're going to get three out of me here. It's just, you know, uh, I know we're talking about rescue dogs in the context of soldiers and that, but, um, you know, we had a bit of a conversation offline, and uh, you and I, I think, are both aligned that, you know, dogs and pets and rescue pets, it's amazing their healing properties. And if you're an entrepreneur, if you're going to adopt a dog, rescue. So oh. I'm just going to get that in there. Oh, that's, Yeah. Get that in there. I mean, there. Yeah, my wife and I have never. Well, no, I had when I was younger purchased a dog. Right. But in the last twenty years, my wife and I have only adopted rescues in one form or another. Yeah, they can be your support. Oh, their so. support. They're loving. They're they're. They know you saved their life, and I've seen the bumper stickers where it says. We rescued a dog, but I don't know if the dog rescued me. Right. 
Yeah, they're amazing. It's amazing having a team meeting, meeting with your pet. They're very supportive of every strategy that you, you plan to implement. <laughs> uh, when there's treats involved at the end of it, even more so. Oh, yeah. Um, right? So uh, another thing that um, I really wanted to talk about is this topic of resistance. I ask all my guests this question. Resistance is one of these weird things that pops up. Uh, I'm, I'm actually a kind of a, I grew up in Calgary, Alberta, which is kind of like Texas of Canada. And uh, so I tend to think of myself as really meat and potatoes. And in my entrepreneurship journey, I kept hearing this word resistance all the time. So I've I've built my own kind of thought process around where this comes from, what it's all about and how to push through it. But I'm always curious with my guests, how they push through the natural resistance that comes with being an entrepreneur. Well, the only way that I've found to push through it it gets, I feel like a broken record here, is the team. Whether, I mean, there are times I don't want to do things. I'm, I'm, I'm facing the wall. I'm in resistance, whatever. And it's my team members who keep me moving. Or it's my wife who keeps me moving. Or it's my coach who keeps me moving. Right. Because without that, you know, I, the funny expression is, you know, your mind is a dangerous place to go into alone. Yep. Um, <laughs> I don't you know, as, as much support as I can provide to other people, I still need support. And I, I, yeah, I face the resistance. And the only way I get through it is by recognizing I've got it and bringing it up and talking to other people about it. Now in your business, you do some really interesting things. So the, the URL that people can go to, to check out more, by the way, I'm just going to list it right now. It's wealth on anyincome.com. So again, that's wealth on anyincome.com. Now, what we, the URL that we want you to go to, just add a forward slash gift to the end of that URL. So it is wealth on anyincome.com forward slash gift. So once again, wealth on anyincome.com forward slash gift. Uh, now, the reason I want you to go there is because I think you're going to find some really interesting things. Now, on the background behind you there, it says 100% of profits donated to charity. Maybe tell us a little bit more about that. Well, because of finally learning how to handle money, yeah. I call them the three secrets of the wealthy, nice. uh, and applying those, and that free gift from my website is 30 attitudes that the wealthy people have operate by. I guess if I operated by all of them, I'd be a billionaire instead of a multimillionaire. But the point being that it's it's about mindset. And the reason it's called wealth on any income is because I produced a net worth where I no longer have to work the rest of my life while only earning $5,000 a month. Yeah, it's amazing. So, I mean... That's, you know, that's it. I mean, we want to raise philanthropists. I want to teach other people how, regardless of what they're earning, they can, they can cover their expenses, they can pay their bills, they can donate to charity, whether it's money or time. And that's what it's about. And that's why I'm so excited to talk to you because you're very heart centered and you're a very giving guy. Uh, That's why I'm thrilled to have you on the show, you know, and I'm, I'm actually really excited about those 30 things. I want to download that and I want to start seeing how well I score. Um, 
And I know when people join your community, they, there's one thing that you do that's really awesome. Uh, you send out email questions. Now, how often do you do that? Tell us about uh, that. Every week, I send out an email that either deals with an attitude of the wealthy or it deals with myths, M-Y-T-H-S, that people buy into that hold them back. Right. And at the end of each one, I ask a question, um, and it can be, where can you go to find the resources you need? Or who do you know who can support you with this? Or what action are you going to take based on what you just read? Because if we don't end it, if I uh, personally feel if I'm not ending it with a question, no one's taking any action. No one's moving forward based on what I just spoke about. Right. Right. I love that. So you're, you, 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 when you join your community, Renny, you actually, there's something that's ongoing. Like you're there, you're holding people's hands through the process of transformation. Yes. Which, uh, which I think is fantastic as well. You've got this wonderful charity you're supporting. We talked about earlier shelter to soldier. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to leave the listeners with today that uh, about financial wealth creation and uh, even philanthropy? It's that um, when a lot of people hear something that's familiar to them, they might make a statement like, I've heard that before, or that's not new to me, or um, I, my dad told that to me. Or maybe they'll even say, well, I've done that. Like if I talk about pay yourself first, say, well, that's not new to me. But whether they're doing it or not, it's another story. They made a statement that doesn't create any movement forward. What a wealthy person does, their attitude when they hear familiar information is to ask a question like, well, where does that apply to me? Or when can I start that? Or how do I do that? Or who can support me with that? That creates the actions that create the transformation. Statements just keep a person where they are questions move people forward. Love it. I've loved having you as a guest here today, uh, Rennie. Thank you so much for being on Off My Duff, the entrepreneur podcast. So much, my pleasure, Duff. So great to know you, meet you, and be with you. Awesome. And this was Rennie Gabriel, um, the financial coach, and his URL again is wealthonanyincome.com forward slash gift. Thanks again to all my viewers to listening in to today's episode. And remember, when you go out into the world to make the impact that you want, to teach what you love, and to live from your truth. I'm Duff Gardner. I'll see you next time. Hey, everyone. I'm Duff Gardner, and you've been listening to my show, Off My Duff, the Entrepreneur Podcast, where we're all about getting off your backside and making your impact by living your truth. If you're like me and you're an entrepreneur with a heart to help others, you need an offer that sells. An offer that sells helps you get traction with your business, more sales, more clients, more gigs, more fans, and more deals, period. And here's what I believe. Your offer is the purest expression of your truth. So that's why I've created a free ebook, Offers That Sell, the eight-step revenue breakthrough system. Simply go to offersthatsell.com forward slash book to grab your free copy, and you can even follow it up with a chat with me, should you wish. It's been wonderful to have you here with us today. And as you get off your backside to make your impact on the world, remember one thing, teach what you love, live from your truth. I'm Duff Gardner. See you next time. Bye now.